1: to cover eight verses of the first chapter of Daniel, but really in a, in a broad overview. Most of what you're going to hear today is historical and biblical context, because anytime we start a book of the Bible, I think it's important to understand the foundations of that book, the context and everything leading up to it. So most of it is that. We will cover eight verses, again, in a broad context. But I think the book of Daniel is extremely pertinent for you and I today as we live in this culture <laughs> that we are now a part of, that we are in captivity too. We are no longer what we used to call a Christian nation. We are certainly now more likely and more apt to be called a pagan nation. And that's sad, but it's true. And so I think the book of Daniel has some power for us within it to show us how to stand during these times, to purpose in our hearts to stand for the Lord, under persecution, in captivity, to a pagan culture, because remember, God raises people up, and God uses his people no matter what. And so we want to be the light, we want to be the salt, we want to be those in this time period, like Daniel. And so with that, I want to start with prayer, because it'll be a while before we dive into the scripture. I want to start with prayer, and then we'll go, we'll begin with the historical context. Father God, thank you for your word, Thank you that it changes us from the inside out. And thank you, Lord, for this wonderful book of Daniel. What an example, Lord, of a faithful servant empowered by you. And Lord, we just hope to be those who purpose in our hearts to stand in these days, in these evil days, Lord, that we take a stand for you and that we're not changed by the culture, but that we go out and change the culture by the power of the gospel and by prayer and by seeking you and being those who you can rely on, Lord. We pray right now that you open the word to our hearts and our minds and help us, Lord, to be those who can indeed turn a culture upside down for you. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the book of Daniel. And uh, I won't even give you my my usual line. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. But this time it really is, okay? I promise. Uh, It's one of my favorite books. I love the prophetic books. In general, Daniel and Revelation, I love, and so this book is powerful. But I don't normally start with a quote from, especially from somebody who is somewhat secular. But as you'll see, he's not really. I want to start with a quote today because it's about the book of Daniel, and I think it's powerful, and I think it's it's very apropos for today's culture for what we're looking at in today's teaching. It's from Sir Isaac Newton, and if you don't know, I mean, you know the stories. If you remember the Saturday morning cartoon of Sir Isaac Newton sat under the apple tree. Does anybody remember that? Am I the only one? Okay. I knew I wasn't alone. Sorry for singing. Uh, In any case, uh, Sir Isaac Newton, who was a brilliant mathematician, physicist, astronomer, and he was a theologian. Go figure. A scientist that's also a theologian. But he wrote this about the book of Daniel. In his book, Observations Upon the Prophecies of Daniel and the Apocalypse of St. John, Sir Isaac Newton wrote this. Whoever rejects the prophecies of Daniel does as much as if he undermined the Christian religion, which, so to speak, is founded on Daniel's prophecies of Christ. Now, I don't necessarily agree with, not that I should disagree with Sir Isaac Newton, right? He's a lot smarter or was a lot smarter than any of us. But I don't necessarily believe the foundations of the Christian faith are based on Daniel. But I will say this book is powerful and the prophecies within it are extremely powerful for the Christian faith. And so we know the Christian faith rests on much more than the book of Daniel, but the prophecies in this are going to show us who God is and that we can trust his word. Not only that, but, you know, the book of Daniel has been controversial for centuries. Critics love to pick on this book because it is so accurate, and we'll look at some of that. But not only that, it's converted many a soul. This book, Daniel, in fact, you remember the late Dr. Chuck Messler, he said that Daniel, the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week, predicting that Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on a specific day, that he'd be cut off on a specific week, that those days were exactly calculated in the prophecies of Daniel, that helped him sure up his faith in Christ. Dr. Chuck Missler said that about the book of Daniel and about, especially about the 70th week prophecy. But this book, of course, we know is named after Daniel, the one who penned it. The, the Lord inspired it. The Lord breathed it. But Daniel penned it. And we know that that's how all scripture, it's all God breathed. But Daniel is the man who penned it. And we know that even Jesus called Daniel a prophet of God. Now, we know Daniel wrote this because in Daniel 9 verse 2 and Daniel 10 verse 2, he tells us that. He tells us he is the author. But again, God is the author ultimately. Now, it, you, most of you might know Daniel, the name Daniel, it means God is my judge, And that, again, is appropriate for this book because all through this book, we'll see that is the theme. God is Daniel's judge. And Daniel knew that and stood strong on his behalf. And so, additionally, I want to say that, you know, Daniel himself, we don't often think of this, but Daniel was part of the royal family of Israel, of Judah. He was of the tribe of Judah, but he was of the royal family. And he was a good looking young man. He was full of wisdom, full of intelligence, so much so that he's even eventually put in charge of pagan magicians and astrologers and uh, those who were advising the king. Now, that word magician, you might know it as magi. So many scholars believe that Daniel is actually the origin of the magi who visited Jesus. And they didn't visit him, I'm sorry, again, I don't mean to burst bubbles, but they didn't visit him at the manger. There were probably more than three of them. They visited Jesus in a house, go study it out, when Jesus was roughly under two years old, but close to two years old. And so many scholars believe that 500 and some odd years later, when those magi visited Jesus, they found their origins in the school of Daniel and what Daniel had taught. It's pretty amazing. But also know this, Daniel himself is an amazing example of a faithful servant of God. All through this book, we're going to see him live righteously and never compromise. What an example for you and me. What a powerful example. He never compromises. And know this, he's going to serve under four pagan kings. Four pagan kings in a pagan culture. And yet he never had to compromise. Because remember, it's God who raised Daniel up for such a time as that. And it's God who's raising us up for such a time as this. Daniel was faithful and he lived righteously and he didn't compromise. He didn't cave to the world system, to the pagan, you know, popularity of whatever the the new thing was. He stood strong on behalf of the Lord. And I love that about this book. But we know that the southern kingdom of Judah… The southern kingdom of Judah was defeated in 605 BC, and this is when the first Babylonian exile took place. And you know, when you look at all the things that happened, God's ways are not our ways. And we have a saying around here, you've heard it, it's not falling apart, it's all coming together. And I'm sure in Daniel's day, as Israel, as Judah was captured, as they were conquered, and these people began being taken to Babylon in exile, I'm sure a lot of people didn't really understand, but if you know the scripture, it was prophesied because of their rebellion. But in 605, Daniel was one of the first in that group to go into captivity in Babylon. But he also went with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his three friends. And you might know them better as what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> of course, if you've ever heard that song, it sticks in your head. But that's the famous names. But that's their pagan names. And we're going to look today why that change of name was so significant. We're going to look at that. But as we study this book out, we're going to see how these four men are such a powerful example they stood for the Lord and didn't compromise. It's powerful. It's amazing. Now, the book of uh, Daniel is generally looked at as having two main themes. They talk about the first six chapters being history or historical, and the last six chapters being the theme is, is prophecy. Now, I came up with something a little catchier, I think, okay? So you'll be the judge of that, right? So I think the first six chapters, they are history, and the last six chapters, they're mystery, Okay? History and mystery. You'll remember that. But here's the thing, and I want you to know this. Ready? Stay with me. Among, it's not so clean. The scripture is not, you know how this is. In the first six chapters of history, there's a lot of mystery. And in the last six of mystery, there's a lot of history. Okay? So just remember that. It's not super clean. But chapters one through six do really deal with the history and kind of how they got to where they were at and some of the other historical context, and the last six chapters definitely deal with prophetic events, these mysteries, but we as Christians, this is what's powerful. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We are those prophesied even in the book of Daniel that would begin to understand this, the prophecies in that book in the very last days. Understand, some of the things in the book of Daniel are being opened to our eyes even now. Recognize the times and the seasons in which we live. This is why this book, I believe, is so important. And so we can understand those mysteries. So two themes, history and mystery. But there's also two key divisions of the book, and it's done by language, Aramaic and Hebrew. And this is one of the things the critics always point to, and I'll come back to that. But the book starts in Hebrew. Chapter one starts all in Hebrew. It's written in Hebrew. And then in chapter two, around verse four, the second part of verse four, it's kind of a strange, it begins in Aramaic. And then in chapter 7, verse 24, I believe, um, it goes back to Hebrew, and it finishes in Hebrew. And so again, the critics point to this and say, well, and, and most people say, well, why is it that way? Why is it Hebrew and Aramaic? And we don't know for sure. But understand this. Daniel would have, of course, spoken Hebrew. He would have, of course, spoken that. And as he acclimated to Babylon, he would have certainly used Aramaic. There were similarities, uh, similarities to Aramaic and Hebrew. There were similar words. It was easy to communicate that way but not only that the language of Aramaic was also called Chaldee which if you know anything about Babylon it's in the land of the Chaldees it's, that's where the that was probably one of the most popular languages of the day and it was common you know many times in in business and in culture English is used today because the dollar and all this it's it's very common for someone to speak another language and then actually speak You know, in the common language to communicate.
0: This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit golgothafellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.
1: Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m., and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A-Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you, and remember to hold fast.